0: And three, two, one. All right. Welcome back to the Shop Still podcast, everyone. And a warm welcome back to Brian, who looks like he's back down south, I imagine, judging by that jacket.
1: I am. It's it's actually quite nice and warm today. We've got a warm winter's day in Melbourne. But yeah, I'm outside because there are tradies on the other side of my workshop again, digging up the car park. So there is Akadaka yeah. and Crowded House on kind of a constant rotation <laughs> on a crappy Makita <laughs> speaker. So I figured you guys would prefer the sort of ASMR y noises of the wind blowing and my parrots chirping rather than <laughs> yeah. rather than that nonsense. So yes, I'm outside. But yeah, it's nice. I had a um I had a lovely break. When did you get back? Uh, just on Sunday. Or oh, sorry, on Monday. So yeah, we mm-hmm. had five nights up in the Wit Sundays. Hard to believe that Sometimes you're in the same country as that. You know, every time we get to see wow, you yeah. sitting in a t-shirt when Joey and I am, are freezing cold. But um yeah, yeah it was a, it was an awesome trip. I haven't been up that way in God since I was 18, 19. And it just coincided with a great run of weather and the whale migration, so there's just humpback whales. Yeah. All day long. I saw that. So cool. It yeah, really amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like well, when we pulled in from the coast. Um We saw them on the ferry. So we stayed at an island called Daydream, just off Hamilton. The cheaper version of Hamilton Island, but really nice. Rebuilt (laughs) after the cyclone went through it. So yeah, the first humpback we saw was like out in the channel and close-ish. And then we pulled up to Daydream Island and there's one like 30 meters off the beach. Massive humpback whale as we're pulling in. So yeah, it was was so cool. Um, Yeah, feeling very refreshed and well-rested. And uh, yeah, awesome. Ready to get back into it. And yeah, it feels as though touch wood, winter is finally easing in Melbourne. So yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. good here.
0: Did, did you did you leave much behind work wise?
1: Bits like and you, pieces been, that you've I'm been st- having
0: to catch up with. Still waiting for those tables, those clover tables, to
1: get sign off. So that's a conversation mm. this week that needs to uh, get going. Um, a bed that's. Uh, probably just over half finished. I'll try to get that out next week, and then um, a little side table as well, bits and pieces. But uh, no, it was it was good actually being on holiday and being able to properly relax and not thinking about about yeah. work at all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> when you say when you say sign off the tables, who who are you waiting for on that?
1: Well, I mean, he probably doesn't listen to the show, so I can probably tell. So the architect that designed the tables. One is for him, and he has a client who wants one. So he's obviously waiting on the client to sign up to then get a small discount and get the clients because he takes a cut in the tables as well because it's his design. So his margin for the table that gets bought by the client will get recycled into his
0: table. So, yeah. (laughs) Okay, and that's why why I'm asking because I I don't understand the space at all. Yeah, who who says that you are allowed to build that table?
1: Well, the architect, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I produce mm-hmm. it. Uh, we kind of both handle sales, but yeah, he gets, he gets his commission out of it. Yeah. So if he sells one, he's able to get his discount on his one. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, he wants the table by October, so he better better <sighs> get on a, <laughs> Better get on his bike. Yeah. And, like, and I, was, I mean, I'm sure I've said it before, but doing those leg laminations... With the hydrowood timber, I really want to get them done before it gets too hot in the workshop again and dealing with that problem of coming in and nothing's right. perfectly square and then you end up with a whole load of assembly problems further down the track. So, yeah, it would be really good to start getting onto that. But, yeah, the whole forecourt in my workshop is being dug up and rebuilt by the landlord, which is cool. So, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I don't have... I have access by foot to my workshop but if I I want to bring in materials I have to carry them in
0: oh shit yeah so so that back that back entrance is all blocked up yeah yeah so the entrance to the car park is
1: blocked so I have to kind of come around the back way to get into my shed Uh, how long is a very good good question Joey somewhere around two months Jesus yeah wow that's not cool that's not cool fun times
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and Joey, I saw you've um, you cr- that you've built a what was that? Is that a table with that little light strip? Oh, little yeah. bit yeah, bitside table, yeah. That is cool. That was so it's, cool. I, it's funny I'd we're I've all we're always those...
1: we're always empty technology and furniture, and we see it. And we're like, oh
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I, I think I think when you when you set it to RGB and it starts flashing different colors, that's when people turn off. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. that's that's where it, it goes or, too far. Or, or bring out a big
1: honk and ugly remote that you're having to use.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's why i
2: that's been my go to switch for LEDs for probably five years. Like that that um, particular switch. There's no point in me telling you the name because it's specific to shop I get it from um, but it's such an awesome thing, we'll go through 30 mil of pretty much any solid um, surface and I usually drill a hole into in the, the back of stuff just to make it easier um, and it's just bloody awesome to have, when I show clients, because I tell clients they're getting it and then they don't understand of course and then when they see mm. it they're like oh my god this is like the best thing in the house that's pretty. Any, idea, any idea how yeah. the switch works? Yeah, I was just about uh, to ask that. I can't remember if it's infrared. I think it's infrared. So Keepers. just it senses the heat of your hand, essentially. Um, oh, so not the
0: movement. Okay.
2: No, I think it's a heat. So you don't actually even have to um, touch the table because it has like a thirty mil depth of laser beam this <laughs> you, you can just kind of wave your hand close to the top of the table and it will go on
1: for anybody who um, hasn't seen it you should go and check it uh, it's on your it's on your instagram right it's not instagram, on a story yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's got yeah. a dimmer yeah. into no, it's it. not a story no it's got a dimmer built into it as yeah. well? Yeah. yeah it's what's awesome about it you just hold
2: your hand on on the location and you get which is really great for a bedside table depending on what you're trying to do um And it remembers your last setting. So if you want it at a specific dimness, um, and you keep it, just goes on and off at that um, level until you change it.
1: Can
0: I ask the cost? Yeah. Yeah. We're on the
1: same page.
2: The switch is 110. Yeah. The driver is 60, and the LED strip on that one is 100. Pretty good. The the driver is not specific to the switch, though, right? No, but they all are the same brand, and so they've got already got male and female plugs and everything. You just plug okay. it and plug and play. So um, they have like two meter c- cables attached to them already. So you just need to hide the cables somewhere, and then you're good to go.
1: Very cool. So
0: Pretty definitely awesome. high end because that's not a cheap. It's not a cheap solution. No, but... but
2: it's just I can't be bothered dealing with other shit. That it, I know this stuff works. And it lasts, and so
0: that's just what as you get. And as you say, the, the presentation is a wow factor, which is for a turn business yeah. is what you want.
2: And I found a couple of awesome uh, undermount uh, chargers to go along with it. Um, um, so that's pretty cool. They've got a little cooling fan built into them, so
1: All right.
0: you don't have to worry too much about heat buildup, which I was slightly concerned about. Setting your table so on fire. Well, that brings me to my... Yep. Other point about that table and the dot, the video doesn't really convey what that dot is. So (laughs) it's not like a little texture mark or something, is it? Because I couldn't see what... It's it's just because I needed a way to show center of the charger, of the the wireless charger,
2: and I didn't want to put some awful switch mark there because what's the point? So I just drilled a hole right through at the center and put some black um, super glue in the hole, and that's it. Yeah, okay. Just a, a nice little flush flash black dot that, that shows you where, where to put your phone.
0: Yeah. There was a, an interesting way of doing it, not one that I was, um, that I thought of, um, but I guess it's small enough that it's not, a, not an eyesore.
2: Yeah, well, because the actual charger comes with this big sticker, like a 50 mil sticker that's got like a charging logo on it. And I'm just like, what is the point yeah. of this? Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't, it's just ugly. So,
0: it's horrendous. Yeah.
2: I mean, you could probably just throw your phone on it and find, find it, but there is a bit of a delay between the phone registering it. And by the time you keep moving it around, it would just be annoying.
0: So, it's funny. We, so, we talked about this a month ago this whole wireless charger thing. And since then I got out my wireless charger, which is one of these, you know, it's a fairly big disc. What's this maybe Yeah. 70 mil across. And, uh, every time I use it, it actually makes me a bit annoyed because I put it down and I'm, Oh no, I haven't got it. And then I think I've got it. And then it registers a bit late and then I move and then, and then I, yeah, you've got to find that exact spot because otherwise, yeah, it just turns into a pain in the ass.
1: Yep. Yeah, cool. cool, and and the ki- and the kitchen install went pretty well.
2: Yeah, I was just going to like run through some jobs because it feels like it's been ages since I talked to you guys. Um, the last, I think, the last thing I was talking about was this big bookcase. I've got a couple of cool photos uh, of that um, on Instagram. It Has a, a ladder, rolling ladder, which is pretty awesome. That build. Um, the clients just got back to me yesterday and want me to. Extend it, so it's a little bit annoying. But I have to kind of rebuild one end of it and return it around a, a, a corner, so they've got a, a book bookcase on two walls. So that will be interesting. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, that kitchen is that that kitchen went together as happy as with that. I'm just waiting on the bench tops to go in, and then I can finish off and put the rain shirt up. Uh, and then i 'm out of there actually the the client's got a bunch more work for me on that job, so but the kitchen is very close to being oh, wrapped cool. up it's so that 's pretty cool.
1: Did you do the install all by by yourself, or did you have a bit of help
2: i had my my old man helped me for maybe two days yeah um just on lifting a couple of the wall cabinets, yeah otherwise yeah did it all myself spent most of the time just unwrapping it's crazy how much wrapping you put on these panels to protect them. It's um, just a mountain of packaging, which is kind of disgusting, but
0: so you kind of have to do it. So you wrap them?
2: Yep. So well, what I did was I'll, I'll run you through. Because it was a sprayed finish, to have a, a really good uh, finish, what you do is you start spraying the back, and when the back's dry, you mask it off, turn it over, and spray the front. And so I just left the masking on the back and then I could kind of stack, stack things up and then wrap it in some blankets and stuff. And so I did like the final removing of that masking on site before I hung all the doors and drawer fronts and stuff. And it just took forever doing it. Like there was over 70 panels that I had to um, unmask. And oh,
0: right, yeah. so you're not wrapping... Well, that was going to be my question is about the blanket. So you're not like plastic wrapping it or, or wrapping it in, in card or anything?
2: Well, kind of half of it is like a plastic or card um, masking to protect it from the spray on the backside. So there is, a and like probably six rolls of masking tape. So there's quite a bit of just shit rubbish that like, you can't do much about. But um, you got to move it around and you got to protect it somehow.
1: Yeah. yeah. So. Just before we get on to you, Robin, I've got a, a listener question for you, Joey. So we had a message from... I get so many direct messages on the Instagram account and they'll go and get lost to the ether somewhere. So if people have questions, can they just put them under the the Instagram post rather than message me directly? If it's a quick question, I don't (laughs) mind answering it directly, but if it's a question for the show, that's the place that it will be least likely to get lost. Uh, So it was from John Graham who is building a shed and he is asking... How you would, or how you did line yours? Did you go with plywood, melamine, form ply, yellow tongue, plaster and bits? What, what, what did you do? What was your build-up? Insulation and then?
2: Um My plan was to plywood, get what they call garage ply over here, which is just like a cheap, uh like poplar plywood with a um Meranti or Gaboon, veneer like a really thin chinese ply they're like 50 or 60 dollars a sheet
1: at like 12 Um, mil 12 mil or 16
2: mil or something it's like nine mil nine mil it's like a nine mil and but the problem is with the steel sheds the spacing of any fixings is way too far the span Mm. is annoying and so you do have to weigh up how you're going to fix it and do you care about kind of saggy joints or whatever um as it turned out for me, I ran out of budget. So I only have like decent linings in my office and a couple of areas in the main work part of the workshop and -hmm. the main machine part of it is just open steel tin shed. Um, and I put, put whatever budget I did have into insulating the ceiling was a much bigger, um, concern for me. Yep. So, um, there's no easy way if, unless you want to lose space and put some timber framing yeah, and then you can some, put some thinner. Yeah. yeah, you've got to put some girts or something in either either inside the wall cavity, but then you've got to deal with the existing steel, the horizontal steel the, and it's, yeah and the bracing yeah it's it's actually not easy to do um, so I just went
1: with oh'll forget about it. <laughs> 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 so, your recommendation is go with the ceiling?
2: I think if you've got a limited budget, you've got to do something with the ceiling, insulate yeah. it. It's just so oven like. Um, unless you've got some way, even, even if you have some way of controlling with a, a heat pump or something like that, I think you still have to insulate yourself from that
1: yeah. gigantic
2: yeah. roof space, which is just an oven. Did you just um,
1: use, did you get a spray on? Insulation, or you just did pink baths or something or
2: no i got custom made custom cut polystyrene high density right. polystyrene panels yeah um and then i got because each row of my purlins are slightly different width and so i got <laughs> all nice. these all these different widths cut to size for me so i didn't have to trim one of them i just i just measured them each one and had like a bunch of measurements I emailed through the guys and they just showed up at the right yeah, size cool. and I just plugged them in and that, that's made a huge
1: difference. Um,
0: that's a cool idea. Yeah. All right. Hopefully that answered
1: your question, John. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> so,
0: how do you, how do you, how do you align the walls of a shed? Well, I don't No. by closing but, my yeah. eyes and thinking about <laughs> other things. Yeah. That, that's the right. one you actually, Brian, you've, just reminding me i've had a few response or emails direct emails about the teaching stuff joey um oh, yes we should put some more time into this into getting yeah uh questions so maybe not next episode the episode after i'll collate all of those and get those together and we can run through them that's that's a good idea
2: and even just touching on that teaching thing it's interesting i've learned <laughs> i've learned more myself not not about woodwork but just uh, teaching something like woodwork to complete novices is is an experience.
0: And um, <laughs> is it a continuing experience, or is, is your initial experience?
2: Yeah, I've, I've, I've got. Yeah, I've got. A, I've got. A, actually, got a class right after this podcast. I've got a, a guy we're doing like a, a bedside table, so we're about four classes in at the moment. Yeah, cool. Um, and it's just I've got to be way more prepared than I thought I did. Um, especially with younger people, even in their teens, they don't give a shit about preparing the wood. That's the last thing they want to do is sit there and run a piece of wood through the thickness there and joint it. They just wanna get on to the part where you do something. And so I've gotta be I've gotta be a, a step ahead just yeah. to keep their interest in it. Which is interesting. I, I would have thought if you want to come and do that kind of thing, you would might wanna see the whole process, but evidently that is not the case interesting
0: <laughs> interesting yeah,
2: yeah. so yes yeah, interesting finding what areas are are exciting and and not to different age
0: groups and have you had a lot of interest in it from the community
2: yeah quite a bit and i've done quite a few classes i've developed a very easy um mallet, like a one-hour build to build a mallet um and using my little cnc we can engrave someone's name on the side of it or whatever and like a two-tone, uh, like a walnut cheeks and a, a an oak handle kind of thing. Glue it up with a mixture of super glue and uh, PVA and away you go. You've got yourself a mallet. Very yeah, um, cool. So I've done a few of those. Yeah, interesting. Nice one.
0: And what about so, you, Robin? How's the, uh, how's the old celery top shop going? Yeah, my yeah. big news, because the last time we talked um, – which was a month ago, Brian, you were saying to me, you know, when's the the launch going to happen? So, or when's the the shop going public? So two weeks ago, I officially announced it on Instagram with two products. So there's this cookbook stand and this box and uh, the publish went fine. Um, A lot of people have (laughs) looked at the store. (laughs) I've made a grand total of... Zero sales. Oh really? No. Nothing right now. And I and I, and I don't want to be diplomatic when I talk about this because I don't wanna I don't wanna come across like a dick. But I was expecting to just have like one or two people go, Oh, that's interesting, you know. Let me let me chuck some in just to like, you know, support Robin and and I, I, I mean I I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate that they are relatively expensive items so that's a lesson learned for me i can't expect people to fork out for something like that but i was i don't know i just i just had in my mind that there would be a handful of people who would buy some but nothing zero so very good humbling experience right just because you build it doesn't mean they come so i've taken (laughs) i've taken a step back and i've in the last week i've worked on two new products the cost is a lot lower Um, it's a a, like a utensil holder and uh, some coasters real you know they're going to be cheap things so now it's a case of there's a a wide range of of values that that the people can look at so at least now it's going to be able to test the water of am i just getting it to people am i am i getting the word out sufficiently enough that people are, are hearing about it um, Are you doing any any pay, paid advertising of it on Facebook so, so or? this is, yeah so this is going to be the next thing so i it's been the marketing quote unquote that i 've done has been very low key uh, i don't expect a lot of people to have known about it i haven 't pushed it hard i don't i don't like selling myself we've talked about this on the show before it 's a hard thing to do, but I've got to pull my socks up and actually get out there and, and start. Promoting this and selling this and giving people a reason to go check it out. Um, I hadn't really thought about doing um, online marketing yet. A lot of it's because, as you've said in the past, Brian, you've never really got a good kickback from that, have you?
1: Not really, no. No, I don't. I don't know. I think if I was doing chopping boards or something more, I would probably use it because I think... I think once you get beyond a certain price point and you're using social media, the clients aren't really there. Despite the fact that, you know, Instagram and Facebook say they target the ads at certain demographics and things, I don't think that they're there. Whereas mm. I think for items under, under maybe 250 bucks, somewhere in there, $200, I reckon that probably would use a bit more social media marketing. Yeah, Okay. can. Mm. So, I mean, that, that would be my feeling on it. Like, I've done it or you know the off cut boards that i do i kind of usually do a run of those around christmas just with all the scraps that are left over from different projects i have done facebook ads for those before and i have sold them off that all but right, i might try that. every time you do one of those adverts you gotta remember it's coming out of your profit
0: yeah exactly mm. and wow so this since getting back i've really tried to focus more on the business you know really hone in on it and uh I am not profitable. I am so far from being profitable with ah, this business. Welcome,
1: welcome, to, welcome to woodworking.
0: It's, I was just <laughs> going to say you're a furniture maker there. Huh? It is. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> Pressing. Because, like, you know, I've always <laughs> just substituted my income with my day job. But here I am talking about wanting to do this full time. I am going to drive my family into the ground if I try and do this <laughs> full time. It's awful. A uh, question.
2: I, I was under the impression I may have been led wrong when we talked about it. Um, are you selling the, these things as a product made by Robin Lewis, or as just X Company celery top kitchen things, like separate from you completely? So, let's say in six weeks, if 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 it all just goes bust, and you, you just turn it off, and it's got nothing to do with you personally.
0: No, so it is intrinsically linked. Uh, the, that is. the website is its own. So you can now go into celerytopshop.com.au. Right. That's the website. But the in terms from a business so perspective... What, what, was that,
1: what was that website again, Robin? Just just in case <laughs> anybody missed
0: it. <laughs> I was going to do a little plug at the end, but we may as well do it now. So celerytopshop.com.au. Shall I repeat that for you, <laughs> Yeah, what was that? Um, so... Uh, yeah but in terms of from a business perspective it's i 'm still trading as my a b n um, you know all those details are still mine so that 's why i 'm using i 'm going to use my all of my socials and and that to to promote it okay yeah
2: all right that 's something i found i remember thinking when I started getting a bigger audience on youtube oh uh, this is great I can just like Put out some product like merch. I think when I first did it, my first run of t-shirts or whatever, I was like, "Oh, this is great!" I'll just if everyone like I did, I, I was even tried to be reasonable in thinking. Now, if I've got two hundred thousand subscribers and a quarter of them buy something for two dollars, <laughs> like I'm good. That's sweet. But actually, like five of them bought something, and I was like, ah. Oh okay so you, i learned real quick that yeah. you can't rely just because people follow you does not make them a customer yeah it just means they're slightly interested in whatever you're doing for some reason at one point in time and um so i think yeah doing some completely other unrelated social media targeting some kind of um local paper design something mm. uh kitchen appliance magazine something or other. That's a good idea. And a, you know, a little ad and something where people who are, might be interested in buying kitchen utensils might actually see it rather than scrolling on some random woodworker's post to find something that, why would they link you and uh, kitchen appliances. So I think you have to target, be really targeted on where you're
1: showing your stuff. For me I reckon a Sunday market is the way to sell those kind of products. Because they get to meet you. Yep. You've made it. You can give them the spiel. Like mm-hmm. your cost of a stall for the day would probably be the equivalent spend of what you'd spend on Facebook. On an ad. Yeah. Right, but then you're not dealing with Yeah yeah, I reckon I reckon a, a scam. like what, I mean I 30, haven't done fifty bucks or something. I haven't done one in a while, but usually about a hundred 100 to 200 bucks. Yeah, depending on the quality of the market and where it is. Yeah, like, sure. regional, you might be a little bit cheaper. They might be sort of council subsidized yeah. or something. But if you think about it, like, if you bring all your infantry there, it's your exact demographic of people mm. that are coming to those markets yeah. and are willing to buy, like, a bottle of handmade, hand-pressed olive oil for 20 bucks from the...
0: there. Yeah. That's your target market, and you're not relying yeah, on, on a Facebook advert to find them. My original goal was to not rely on that. So I wanted this to be more passive. Mm. So if I sell yeah. one a week, if I sell one a month, that's okay. You know, the, it's there, it's boxed, it's ready to go out. But you see, passive, passive to me means it's fully
1: electronic. So like plan sales are, are massively passive because they're there and they're just evergreen. They just keep going. Whereas to me, anything that involves product involves me having to package it. Take it to a post office. G- get panicked about something getting lost or damaged in mm. the post. I don't think that that's passive. Yeah,
0: fair enough, yeah. There's a lot I involved How in much it. I,
2: I would tend to think about this, I would I would take a kind of step to the side and say, do everything you're doing to show that you're a business and you've got um, products. But then, because the the hardest thing is making something like um a cookbook stand how many cookbook stands do you need mm-hmm. i we need one so you you that customer is going to buy one thing from you once and you you have to put a lot of work in to get that one sale even if it's not um even if it's just packaging the thing and putting it in the mail, taking it to the, the post office, that's a lot of work for that one sale. Um, I would look at it and say, okay, if I'm going to make these coasters and I can batch them out pretty bloody quick, I might go to some um, handmade, um, uh, a clay thrower, someone who's firing mugs or something like, and say to mm. them, how many mugs are you selling a month? how about I sell, sell you 200 coasters and you make a package deal with a, a pack of mugs and coasters and then they, they sell them. They've already got people coming to their shop to buy the right kind of clients already buying that kind of thing. Yeah. The same with like utensils. I think you had a utensil holder or something. Go to some Australian like knife maker or, I don't know, tongs maker or something or a barbecue place or something and say, hey, do you want a bunch of these? And you could package your... Products in my product and you just sell them as a going concern and you sell you sell um, as a
1: wholesaler rather than direct mm. to the public could be and a way to go. And they're dealing with all well. the distribution and all the after sales sort of yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. is there, are there any tea plantations near you?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I'm serious. Is, I'm I so glad that probably, I brought this up because these are all amazing ideas that you guys are coming up with. Yeah, I
1: reckon a tea plantation that you could actually sell handmade wooden boxes from Australian timber because I would say that they're probably not going out in Australian made boxes would be my Mm. guess. Yeah. But
2: it, it, that especially to me, that's massive. Because if you found someone who's distributing or selling Australian tea, and you say you say to them, "Hey, I make tea boxes," and they say, "Well, we want to actually sell our tea leaves in a wooden box. That's the packaging. Can we have a thousand of them, please?" <laughs> <laughs> and then you go, "Oh, actually,
1: I don't really want to make a thousand boxes." <laughs> but like that's where it goes, you know. Yeah. But even if it's yeah, even if it's display, even if it's just display boxes for a tasting mm, room or something right. like that, you
0: know, that could be five sales just boom done yep. Yep. yeah maybe that's a that's a different because the, the the main reason why I haven't wanted to invest too much of my time into this you know build a product and then sit back is this isn't where I want my business to go exactly. going forward I want to build custom pieces like what you guys do that's what I want to do this is supposed to be on the side <clears throat> so if the, the tea company does ask for a thousand and I'm going to make good money then Brian now I'm back at doing shit work for you know, for something I don't want. But yeah,
1: maybe but I'm that's when you out—you you need to outsource it. <laughs> at, <laughs> <So> the, <now. laughs> at the same time, I don't know if you remember, like way back when I was talking about why I made these off-cut boards. It was because I would give them to a client, so they would buy like a coffee table or something like that, and I would give them the off-cut board with my logo branded yeah. on the top, as opposed to the brand on the coffee table is discreetly kind of under it or inside it or something like that. Yeah. So then your brand is on you know, their dining table while they're having dinner with friends. So if you have your Robin Lewis cookbook stand in a kitchen, it's a constant reminder to them that then they know who you are, especially if they've mm. met you in a market. And you're like, well, I also make coffee tables or dining tables or something. Yeah, And making that link to a client and slowly building up your clientele. I don't mm. know. I think it's an important thing. I think people need to know who made it. And once you have a a veneer of a website over it's very difficult to get personality across that way mm. yeah i would even ne- i would nearly even look at i wouldn't i oh, sorry go on joe
2: well i was just going to say that's kind of why i asked if it's if these products are just as like a, a bit of a money maker get rid of some stock but not not going to be related to you personally as a maker just mm. as a you mm. know a third company that would be they just sell kitchen type type things, and it's a separate company. It almost feels like it needs to be a separate company that just sells the odd, because um, it's very specialized. Mm. You can yeah. do all sorts of things in the kitchen, but it's hard for for somebody, in my experience, like because people come into my workshop all the time and they go, they'll they'll see like something I'm working on and they're like, oh, do you make that as well? Can you do that? And so people have no clue that just because you can make a utensil holder box or a tea box, they can't, uh, they can't see that as the same skill set as to make a dining table. Mm. It doesn't compute with people. Mm. And um, so I think you need to be wary that you don't get locked into the I'm the kitchen mm. utensil guy. And so that's why I wondered if it was a separate
1: brand yeah um sitting mm-hmm. with its own instagram page it's just got twenty images like. of of you know styled yeah, it, product and then an Instagram shop or a link to your to your website' Cause,
2: well i don't know about what the legality is in Australia, but here like I can have my parent company my company and, and i am have trading names so yeah. Yeah. I can trade as like four different other companies under the same company parent company so you could have another website that's different from robin lewis max that is kitchen utensils whatever it is salary top shop and that's just and to me that is slightly more passive because if you have i agree with brian it's not completely passive but it is in the in the sense that if you're able to have sales five or six a week tumbling over and you do be pretty yeah, and that's kind of cool. If that's just turning over, as long as you can make those things and have the jigs and stuff, just to turn them out. Um, but I think you—if it's just a—I want to make a, some money from this. I feel like selling to people who already have established clients that are selling similar things. That's the way to go. Mm. Is to go to a go to whoever, even a, um, a house house staging companies who stage houses for um, That's sales. One. That's a really good They one. just want pre- pretty things to put on the bench. They'll probably buy like four or five of everything. It's a really and good And then one. they have a theme running through a house, you know. Yeah. Um, and that Because at the end of the day, you don't give a shit who buys it, you know. Like, you don't care who actually has got it or what they're doing with it. You just kind of want to make the sale right now. Yeah, so, yeah. This
0: is debt recovery. Um, That's all that this is, is to to... Get rid of debt, yeah. 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 Well, I stumbled. I I tried to hook up my store through GoDaddy to eBay because apparently you can link it. But wow, does that just open up a can of worms that (laughs) even me with an IT background just gave up on because it is way too complicated. So I'm sticking with my website and Facebook marketplace. That's it. Um, But in the eBay the quest to get ebay set up i searched for celery top pine and what came up was veneers so okay i'm selling this tea box right for 75 dollars some guy who's making thousands of sales is selling celery top veneers less timber than that my tea box for 60 bucks <laughs> well, just, just the, just, veneer. The veneer. just the veneer. So, I think I'm just going to go into right. the veneer business. With get that the stuff. Bands,
1: Get that bandsaw going.
0: I wanted to ask you guys <laughs> if I was to sell veneers, if you were to buy veneers, because you guys, I don't buy them. You guys buy them. What do I need to do to make a good veneer, a sellable well, veneer?
1: You need pretty good industrial quality machinery. Because it's got to be it, yeah. it, it, like it's either peeled or it's cut so the peeled ones are out like that is the full industrial manufacturing so you'd need a really good bandsaw with carbide tip big throat uh, teeth on it and then probably a jointer and a drum sander and a feeder yeah I a think feeder, an auto feeder. Yeah.
0: Oh, oh wait sorry but I can I can cut I can cut 5 mil on my bandsaw so easy because I've got a, a 90 yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so cutting it cutting it straight
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, it's got yeah. to be straight and and then you need a good drum sander. It's doable, because I do it all the time, or relatively often, but um what you want to because I think the optimal for a solid veneer like that is about three mil. You don't five mil's getting too thick. three mil is like like your traditional ye oldie veneer thickness, that's what they would work with, and it's um, actually yeah ac- actually usable. You don't have to worry about chipping and stuff so much. There's a lot of work to do that, Robin, because if you think about you probably would end up having to take five mil slices and then somehow you've got to sand both sides of that. With my um, drum sander? And, and some timbers would just eat the the sandpaper in four seconds. It will just burn and be gummed up and then you, that's $80 of sandpaper gone.
0: Um, uh, and I guess your thickness, I won't get it down. Well, it's... Touch and go.
2: No, it, at that thickness, it is to start chip it as yeah. it hits the blades. Um, so what I do sometimes, even though it seems counterproductive, I'll joint my board, take a slice off both sides. And then go and joint my board and take a slice off both sides. And then I only have to sand one face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which which is a lot less work in the sander. It's still you're still there all day cutting strips of the bandsaw.
1: The thing I'm is, telling you, man, you might get it you can, get in, you, get into the markets and sell just sell some offcuts of yeah. pen blanks or something like that. Yeah. That don't need to be sanded. They're literally just yeah they would <laughs> like celery top would be perfect for like a little pen blank or a marking yeah. knife or something like that.
0: Well, I mean, I could sell, yeah, I could sell pen blanks. But just going back to the veneer thing, I've got these blocks. These blocks are 120 by 120. I'm cutting strips off them and then sanding yeah. them and using them in the in my products.
2: Yeah. So yeah.
0: isn't it just the same process but just on a much thinner scale? Yeah, yeah but it gets it, it exponentially harder.
2: Problems. Yeah, as, mm. as it gets thinner, it's much more difficult to predict what's going on because – Let's say you're cutting 20 mil off, off one of those blocks. If you get any blade drift, it doesn't matter. If you get a, a mil of blade drift, mm. who cares? You get a mil of blade drift when you're trying to cut three mil, you, you've got to scrap that piece of veneer because you can't sand it to the same thickness as everything else. Or you've got to at least chop a section out of it. And, and the thickness tolerance has become almost no tolerance when you're, when you're trying to produce multiple pieces at three or four mil thick. Um, it is exponentially more difficult. And I suspect that, was it you talking about that that, sand, that timber was gumming up your sandpaper? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's going to be a nightmare from that. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what we'll do. The next time we're going to talk, just the two of us is in a month. I will try and produce four boards, four veneered okay. pieces. And I'll let you know how that goes. Because I'm just looking at this, this guy on, on eBay. I'm looking up at the page now. So he's got six pieces of, of veneer. They're 350 mil long, 100 mil wide, 3.2 mil thick. And he's selling them for $45. The pack for now $45. The, the,
2: difference, the difference that you can offer, though, which is a selling point, is that you have a big chunk of wood and you can offer book matched veneers. Mm-hmm. You can take consecutive slices. Uh, would it be book matched? would uh, be close of. to it. Yeah, consecutive slices will be pretty close to to book matched, and so you could offer that as a. There would be
0: an extra selling point. Mm. Yeah. Would you include? Could you? Could you sell a veneer with um, any uh, like uh, 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 epoxy in it, or is at that point is it junk?
1: Uh, junk. Nah, I wouldn't.
0: Okay. Yeah. So it's got to be no, clean.
1: S- no cracks. Gotta be, yeah. got to look good. Okay. And um, while we're on the sales and marketing chat, I finally got round to taking all my pricing off my website. I don't know, I don't know whether we spoke off, about off that. Off your website? Off my website. This is something what, I've... What's I, going on? I have intended on doing this for about two years, but two children have made it impossible to find the time to do it. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, I bet. So I have, I've created a price guide which people have to subscribe to a mailing list to get access to. Okay. Um, That's a good right, I idea. saw that. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I, yeah, like I said, the whole way through COVID, I was like, I should do this. I should do this. Oh, I've got another dirty nappy to change. Um, so I finally got the time to do it. So I put together the guide and uploaded it. And now it's behind, not a paywall, but a subscription wall. So people have to enter yeah. their email to get it. I just felt as though I was giving away too much for free and had no yeah. way to follow up any leads like people would just get pricing and then disappear. Yeah. So the idea of actually yeah, right. keeping their addresses and not it's, hounding them with good idea. not hounding them with direct marketing yeah. or anything like that, but just like a quarterly catch-up newsletter and you know yeah. this this is what I've got in stock, you know, there's a discount for stock and I thought that I would maybe get I don't know 10 a week or 15 a week. I think I've had yeah. nearly 300 people in two two weeks now I know a lot of them will be other makers just sort of sniffing out what my stuff sells for for comparison yeah which is kind of okay with me um like I I still like the idea of transparency with with that because I want people Mm. to charge more I want across the board people to charge more for their work so I don't really want to just have it for trade or architects or anything like that I want it Mm. to be open but um but yeah, it's been, it's been really successful. So hopefully it allows me to pick up a few more sales that way.
2: How do you find the price guide uh, is accurate over time? Like obviously well then, things change.
1: Because then it's not a matter of me having to go on. I had way too many products on my website as well. So I've stripped out some yeah. things that I just do not make anymore uh, or don't want to make. Yeah. So now rather than having to go every time I did a, a price rise, you know, due to inflation or material costs, it would require me going on to every single individual web page <laughs> yeah. and page, then coming yeah. and then coming back to my menu page where I also had pricing in it, whereas now there's none of that, so it's literally just open my InDesign document, mm. update my prices, upload document, yeah. and that's that's it done like it's the sort of thing I could do in 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 twenty minutes as opposed to taking two or three evenings to do it
2: and if you are going to do it like a quarterly kind of email then that's when you just email the, the, new, the updated version, right? Yeah,
1: it'll just go to the same link. Yeah. So it's exactly yep. the same link. So if somebody views it online now and then comes back a year later and they click on it, that's, you know, they're getting the most up-to-date document.
2: Awesome.
1: So, yeah, it's been, it was a lot of work putting the document together, but it's quite nice for me as well to sort of see the body of work and, and see the progress, but then also see the pieces that I don't want to make anymore and now they are gonzo yeah that's cool mm. yeah that's
2: interesting I oh, like because cool. you know it struck me when we were at Wood Dust it struck me uh, I think Jimmy and April were talking to the crowd about transparency in the, amongst the maker community about how how much they charge advertisers for spots on videos and stuff yep. and how they kind of had this secret enclave of makers and they all Told each other how much they were going to charge, and that really struck at me because Jimmy actually looked at us at one point and said, "You guys should do this too. Like, why not? uh, Why keep pricing a secret?" And it's like, yeah, why should we keep pricing a secret? Just who gives a shit? Yeah, like uh, we're all doing the same job, and um, you know we should all be making the best money we can. And if that means some people go up and some people go down, maybe to find a happy medium. That we just naturally occurs, then so be it.
1: Yep, but definitely if the if <laughs> yeah. the, I think if a lot more of the experienced or intermediate makers were honest with their pricing and put it put it out there for the world to see it, I think everybody would gravitate up rather than gravitate down. Yes, you're so then you end up yes. with yeah. I I I get that feeling. Um, I just, I just feel as though everybody needs to charge more.
2: I love the idea of having a pricing. Mm-hmm kind of guide but i just don't have anything that i ever make twice and it's such mm. such a rare occasion that that i kind of i'm like i did have it on my first website i had some like pricing guides i suppose but like they were out of date so quickly and i was like same as you i didn't want to change the pages and so just left it um but yeah it's even so <sighs> uh, I just took on another spiral staircase.
1: Oh, no. And, <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, and the lady was like, so, because she got me from the YouTube video, she found that and then was like, can you? Are you
1: serious? Yeah. you got You got to sail through YouTube. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And
2: so she's like, how much are these going to cost? I said, those ones cost about 35000 Um that was five, six years ago. So depending on what you want, that's kind of a minimum fee. Um, and so then she didn't hear back from her for months. She came back to me just the other day and said, okay, I've been talking to the architect because I gave her some other information and they have made changes to the plans based off my like brief email to her. And then she's like, right, this is what the plans are going to be. Uh, can you now price this up? I said, right, it's going to be a grand for a quote. She said, fine. So I'm in the process of quoting it and, um, and they're going to start the renovation in January or something. So lots of time to plan it. Very cool. But, but you know, that is one of those things where the, that price of say 35 grand is not what it's going to cost now. Just, yeah, just yeah. because it's post COVID yeah. for a start, I can't yeah. even get the same materials. So, but at least it gave her an idea that it's not ten thousand, you know. Are you are you so excited? For or are
0: you are you shitting yourself?
2: Um. Well, I already lost sleep last night. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not a good. It's going to be. It's a completely different style, which is going to be easier because it's going to be a paint finish, and um. But just each, each job's got its own little quirks that make it difficult and so this one has the main set of stairs is over three and a half meters tall so it's quite a tall rise so just thinking about how we're even going to work in a three-story high stairwell um mm. so that was interesting at least but you
1: have the at least you have it on youtube and you got all yeah. that
0: stuff to refer back to yeah you got That's a, right. a, a instruction manual yeah training <laughs> yeah. video yes
2: it's going to be quite different to that so i'm actually we're, we're kind of throwing away everything we did on that one i say we because my dad was already helping me draw some of the plans for it because um, he just likes to do things so i gave him the plans and he's going old school with a pen and paper working out how, how things are going to work so
0: wow legend <laughs> yeah cool yeah so, All right. Yeah,
1: well, I, I yeah. had a point. I had a point about that, but I
0: can't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Points. Points are overrated. <laughs> yeah, you've got uh, got trumped by the spiral staircase, unfortunately. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's call it there because we are coming up on time. Um, right. Just one more plug: um, Celerytopshop.com.au. Out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> hang on, hang on, Robin. Are you are you paying us for this? <laughs> oh that's what this was this whole episode it's going to be titled com dot you wait till you see my next uh,
2: instagram post it's going to be a featured ad yeah but the Top shop
0: yeah cool all right guys have a good week and we will talk again soon yep cheers sweet yep. bye, bye.